Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and nice people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries with patient and advocate Lily Peterson, whose book about her life with POTS was the springboard for our nonprofit, Standing Up to POTS. And if the name Peterson sounds familiar, it's because Lily is the daughter of our founder and president, Dr. Kathy Peterson, whom you've heard from on our POTS Basic episodes. So Lily, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. So if we could, let's just start with some basics about you. What is your age? Um, I'm currently 19. And how many healthy years did you have before POTS or chronic illness set in? Uh, I had 10. Wow. So does that make you a fourth grader who was struck by chronic illness? Yeah, I had the fortunate luck, or mostly unfortunate, honestly, um, to get it essentially right after my birthday. So it was a nice gift from the universe. So before we get into the chronic illness part of your life, can you tell us what life was like and what you were like before chronic illness? I was, as described, an energizer bunny. I would sometimes literally bounce off the walls in the school year during recess because I thought that was fun. I would run around, do lots of, test a lot of things that I thought were good ideas, and then would get the speech, not all the ideas are good ideas, because I had a natural, still do, have a natural curiosity about everything and anything under the sun. So, what was your first sign that something was wrong with your health? Um, when I actually lost all that energy. So, I started feeling really run down. I didn't really want to move. There was actually a time where I could have gone on a fourth grade field trip, and I just wanted to stay home. I didn't want to see anybody. I just wanted to lay and just do nothing. And so for a fourth grader, being the energizer bunny that I was, that was extremely strange. For, and that was kind of the first sign that something was wrong. And was that part of your having mono at the time? Was that how it started? We didn't catch mono while it was happening within my body. We only did the blood tests afterwards and saw that the antibodies and indicators for mono were extremely high within me. And so we believe, yes, that my POTS was a post-viral infection of mono. So what was it like trying to get diagnosed with POTS? Was it quick and easy? Or I have a feeling nobody ever says it was quick and easy. What, what was it for you? We really had a blessing in disguise. Um, in the beginning, it was crazy. I was developing a symptom every, every week. Mom was... The whole family was frantic. Mom was scheduling specialists every two weeks. Um, and we finally happened upon a one, Dr. Hendrickson, who was a rheumatologist. Um, 
really nice guy. And uh, I saw him, and he did some tests. And he said, I think you have POTS. And we, my mom and I, both looked at him like he had just grown two heads and came out from the pits of somewhere unknown. And he explained it. And that was when we first learned about POTS. When you first learned about POTS, do you think you had the right expectations about it? Or at the time, were you thinking, oh, this is something I'll forget about within a month or a year? Oh, being as young as I was, my expectation was, oh, there's a cure. Because obviously people got over the cold and flu. And uh, thought I'd get over it, you know? Take some medication, do the whole regimen, maybe some antibiotics, maybe some other strange liquids or something, and I'd be done and over it, and it'd be a past memory. So in those early days, what were your worst symptoms? It'd be the fatigue, the brain fog, and the chronic neuropathic pain in my legs were my three top worst so how did you get through school with all that going on? If by school, you mean on the couch, at home, yes. If you by mean going to seven classes with your classmates and uh, learning from the teachers when they're in the class, uh, yeah, yeah, no. I, fifth grade was extremely rough. Um, that was the first year of my illness. And I spent a good majority on my grandmother's couch out of class. We talked to the teachers. I had a tutor. We had textbooks. We were frantically trying to keep me, you know, steady and with the class in math. And because I was still essentially taking all seven of my classes. It's just once a week I'd appear, say, hey, get my assignments and then leave for the rest of the week because I was in one other class because that's all my body could handle. Yeah. So on top of school, when you were 12 years old, I believe, in sixth grade, you wrote a little book about your struggle with POTS. What made you decide to do that? It was actually an inspiration from young authors. So... I participated in it when I was in kindergarten, and I won. And my sixth grade teacher, wonderful teacher she is, um, Mrs. Tipton, encouraged the class to at least try out for young authors. If they didn't want their story to be entered, that was fine with her. And I didn't really have a good idea at the time of what to write about because for the past two years, my Life had been about POTS and dealing with it and going to doctors and trying all sorts of medications to all see the meager few actually work. And so I decided, you know, that would be a good outlet for, you know, at least somebody to understand in the world. So that's where I let out some of my emotions, some, you know, what my symptoms felt like because every POTS patient knows only you and you alone know what your symptoms feel like because it's different for everybody. And so I just wanted to share my experience. So I'm holding a copy of your book here and it's lovely. Your sister made the illustrations and she was nine years old at the time and I love that. 
And it looks like perhaps your mom included photos and bios of you and your sister and had it printed up so it could be sold with all the proceeds going to help fund POTS research. Do you remember how the book was received by your community? I think I think it received quite a bit of attention, right? It received a lot of attention, actually. Um, the book sales sold up to uh, $2,000 dollars for pots research going for you know 10 apiece um for the people that we really knew well so people in our church people in that were close family friends we would sign the book and we my sister and i and we would give them out and so that was that really kind of helped start the idea of standing up to pots it was mom's frustration of being unable to do anything for me Despite her doing so much for me, driving doc- driving to doctor's appointments, getting me medication, supplying me with um, water and other stuff that m- might have helped, that we tried. And that's how Setting Up the Pots was born. So your book is very touching and very powerful. It has made me cry more than once, you know, even on my second, third reading, um, because your writing is so vivid. Do you mind if I read some passages from your book and ask you about them? Go ahead. Okay. I got sick just after my 10th birthday. At first, the doctors said it was just an infection called mono. Later, they diagnosed me with chronic fatigue syndrome. Several doctors said it was all in my head. Some said I was deconditioned and needed a boot camp type rehabilitation program because I was lazy. It took nine months, many tests, and a lot of doctors, but they finally diagnosed me with POTS. The doctor who diagnosed me is a rheumatologist. He is a genius. I want to say thank you to the doctors who have helped me along the way. I love how positive you are after having doctors accuse you of being lazy or it being all in your head when you were only in fourth grade. But my question is, how did it feel to be a fourth grader getting accused of that? I mean, did you believe your doctors when they implied that you were just lazy or it was all in your head? Oh, I immediately dismissed it and thought they were insane. I knew I was missing out on something. I knew something was wrong, obviously, because there was nine months of doctors and strange people poking me, asking me the same questions, taking my heartbeat weight and asking me the same questions over and over and over again. And then some of them say, oh, you're faking it. And I'm thinking, are these people actually getting paid this this much for this? Uh, Are you sure about your profession? I was just very confused at why people were telling me that I was faking it when I know I wasn't, my mom and my family know I wasn't, my friends knew I wasn't, and they were the stranger. So, mm Oh, that's fantastic. And obviously your mother didn't buy it, and she so didn't buy it that she founded this nonprofit to try to put an end to that type of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worry for kids whose parents do listen to the doctor, right? Um, Because I know my own self-esteem took a huge hit for years while being told those things. And I wasn't a fourth grader. You know, I was like a pretty accomplished person who was older in life. And so it makes me so happy that as a fourth grader that didn't 
destroy your psyche. I have another passage I'd like to read. Friends and family are by my side, helpless. My life feels endless, vacant, a void of darkness, nothing but chains. Maybe I could win an award for seeing so many doctors, giving so many vials of blood for the long car rides to the Cleveland Clinic. Every trip seemed like a dream. I wonder when it will end. Why did this happen to me? The question keeps going around and around in my head. Does it still? I mean, yeah, sometimes, but it doesn't help just kind of dwelling on it. I've made something positive out of my experience. Um, Sometimes my blood would be used for other research tests. So I've made a positive experience out of my those appointments, and any appointment that we go to has raised at least some awareness about POTS within the medical con- profession. So my outlook changed as I grew older, and I started to see it in a more positive light, because in all honesty, it was tiring, feeling sorry for myself, and as POTS patients, we don't have a lot of energy, And so I just kind of tossed that feeling aside. I like that. That's the first time I've heard someone say, basically, it's too tiring to feel sorry for myself. But I think that makes a lot of sense. That sounds really smart. Okay, I have one more passage that I mostly want to read it for the benefit of healthy people who might be listening. (laughs) Sometimes I use a wheelchair named Blue Lightning. I don't like to use it because it makes me feel different. Sometimes kids stare at me like I'm an animal in a cage being transferred to a different zoo for help. They give me a sympathetic look. Sometimes kids whisper a question to their parents about me. Their parents shush them and glance at me to see if I heard. I wish they would just talk to me. I would answer their questions. Do you still use a wheelchair and does it still make you feel different or do you feel like getting older helps at all? I've improved a lot in the years, but for very long trips, yes, I still do do use a wheelchair. And I still do get some strange looks sometimes, but I just brush it off now. If they've got questions, they can come up and ask me. If they're too shy, that's fine by me. Um, I know that I need to do it personally. So I get to have fun with my family and get to spend time with them and make the most out of the trip. That's great. Okay, I have one more section I'd love to read. On my worst days, I don't leave the house. I am too tired to read a good book, talk with my friends, or play electronic games. My brain doesn't work. It feels like I am trying to think through goopy mud. On my worst days, I lie ever so still on the couch and watch what is on television too tired to use the remote even if Sesame Street is on. I feel porcupine quills piercing my legs and I limp slowly to the bathroom holding on to mom or Kate's arm. On my worst days, the light from the window hurts my eyes and we close all of the drapes. My head might throb or I might have hot flashes. My stomach hurts so much that I lay in a ball on the floor hoping for relief. On my worst days, I cry because I don't know how much more of this I can possibly endure. I do have good days, though. I don't know when they will come or why, but I take advantage of every minute. When the chains loosen just a little, I go out to dinner with my family or call a friend to come over for a couple of hours. 
I stand a little straighter, talk a little more, and giggle with my sister. When the pain decreases, I move my legs and jump around the house for a few minutes. These days give me hope that I can get my life back. If I keep working with my doctors, eat right, exercise, and take my medicine, I believe that my good days will eventually outnumber my bad days. Do they? Yeah, they have. They've started to really outnumber the bad days. I've gotten a lot of opportunities. I've met a lot of new people, great people, because of my experience with POTS, and I'm grateful for it, honestly. Yeah, it really, really sucks that we don't have an understanding or a cure yet. But I got to meet great people like you, like other teens with POTS. Got to hear their experience and share mine. And that feeling of understanding that only we know was a great feeling. Where did you find the strength to be optimistic with all that pain? I'm usually, by nature, a glass half full kind of person. I knew that there was always going to be a bright side to this. I just didn't know when, but my younger self back then knew that it was going to happen someday, and it's currently happening now, so I got my someday. That's awesome. So who or what helps you the most with managing your POTS? My family has helped a lot. My mom, my sister, my grandma, they're the people who have helped manage my POTS and get me to where I am today. And to be honest, I ignored them sometimes because I was stubborn. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to take my meds because they were yucky. Everybody knows that. Or I just didn't want to do something that we know helped me, like, drinking a lot because I didn't want to and I've seen the outcome of that multiple times but it's always them that will have the best interests and at heart for me. What lessons has POTS taught you if any? It's taught me patience and it's taught me that everything has a silver lining. I've gotten new opportunities later in life than I would not have gotten had I been well. Such as setting up the pots. I've gotten chances to meet unique people, make connections, or just to make friends. Yeah, it's a big thing to have in common with other people, huh? I've, I've also thought that one silver lining of all this is I know there's so many people out there who understand and who are rooting for me and they're on my side and when I meet someone or talk to them on the phone, we instantly have this kind of connection or trust that I don't have with other people. And I think that is a little bit what you're alluding to. And I like that too. Um, you won the Warrior Award and also the Advocate Award at the Dysautonomia Support Network's Patients' Choice Awards. Your acceptance speech really made an impression on me. It was so strong, so determined, so sure that our fighting would help make a difference. And I remembered thinking when you won the Warrior Award, wow, you do embody that award. And I'm wondering, are you naturally a warrior or did you learn that? Do you ever feel like giving up? And where did you get that speech from? 
having a chronic illness, there are going to be points where everyone has a breaking point. I've had a few. Um, there were points where I was really, really low. And being young and going to doctors telling me I was crazy, you learn to build a tough skin. And so I built my skin up, and I just started fighting back. That's great. And you were telling me a little bit before our recording about how you came up with your award speech. Do you mind sharing that? Because it was, it was a beautiful speech that a lot of people commented on. There were comments online, and everyone had assumed that, I don't know, that you had some professional writer or something. But where did that speech come from? I did not write a speech. I was stubborn. My mom said, Lily, this is an important reward. Maybe you should write a speech, you know? What if you get nervous up there on the podium? And I'm like, no, I'm not writing a speech. She asked me a couple hours before the award ceremony. I'm like, no, I'm not writing the speech. So I didn't write a speech. I walked up to the podium and I stared at all the people. I made the whole thing up on the fly. I just saw it and took me where my mouth took me. That's great. So you are in college now, right? Yeah. How is that going? Much better than expected. I was actually to, able to live in the dorm um, a couple years ago, even a year ago. We didn't think that I would be able to live in the dorm the whole academic year, but I've managed to do that. I didn't think that I'd be able to handle more than three classes, but I did that fall semester with two half courses. So that was really refreshing to see and also really relieving that I'm finally getting to live my life fully in bloom, if you want to make a flower joke. (laughs) (laughs) So now that you have written a book, founded a nonprofit that has funded a quarter million dollars worth of research, won two awards for being a leader in the POTS patient community, had your nonprofit win some awards for being such an effective nonprofit, and you've successfully finished your first semester in college, I was just wondering, is there anything you'd like to say to the doctors who said you are just lazy? Yeah, you can eat my diplomas. You can watch me bask in the lovely warmth that is the spread of advocacy of POTS and the acknowledgement that it is happening and it is a real illness. So let's move on to our Potsy speed round which is just meant to be a little bit of fun, and we acknowledge that brain fog, word-finding difficulty, problems concentrating are all to be expected, so no (laughs) pressure to actually be speedy or accurate. This is just for some silly fun. Sound okay? Yeah. Okay, just the first thing that comes to your mind, what's your favorite way to get salt? Chips. Lots and lots of chips. What is the drink that you find most hydrating? Honestly, not hydrating, but most likable and most likely to drink it would be Gatorade. Fruit punch. Always fruit punch. 
how many doctors do you estimate you've seen for POTS and related problems? Uh, that's, I'd say a hundred plus, honestly. I've been to Cleveland, Cincinnati, nationwide, Dayton, local doctors, whatchamacallums, private practices that are smaller, everything. How many other POTS patients have you ever met face-to-face? I've met 10 or so, and... A lot of others who've come to the race, you know, I just give them a hello and we chat for a bit. And that was really nice. Yeah, I think you're referring to the Standing Up to Pots 5K charity race. Yep. We have an annual 5K and 2K walk run to help raise money for Pots Research. And if anybody is close by and wants to come, of course, because of COVID, we didn't have our in-person one like we usually do but if you want to follow us on all of our social media pages and maybe hear when we're starting up again maybe you can come join us moving on what is one word that describes what it's like living with a chronic illness sucks what is something small that brings you comfort or joy my stuffed animals (laughs) If you could choose to have one superpower, what would it be? Curing the world of illnesses. What is something that you would give to each and every POTS patient if you had infinite funds? I'd give them medical support. People might suspect you're a POTSy when... I come up wearing a shirt with it or POTS jokes with it. And last one, what is something you're grateful for? I'm grateful for my family. I know a lot of people don't have family or doctors who believe them initially, or still don't. And so I'm really grateful for my family for doing that for me. So that concludes the speed round. And as we finish up, I just have a couple more questions. What do you wish more people knew about POTS? Hmm, that's a hard one, actually. I guess what I wanted them to know is that it's real. We're not making this up. We're not lying. We're not attention-seeking. And we're not mentally unstable. We're experiencing something that sometimes cannot be seen on the physical level. And I think that society has gotten so much about what you physically look like that we fixate a bit too much on that. And we don't actually try to see the real problem. Just look a little deeper. It's not always face value. That's beautiful. Last question. Anything you'd like to say to your fellow POTS patients who may be listening? Any tips, advice, or any message at all? Well, tips, I think we've all heard a lot of them from looking them up on the internet and talking to each other. Just hang in there. We're with you. We understand you. We might not have all the same symptoms. We might not have the same experiences. But we're here stand with us. You're not alone.
That's great. Lily, we so appreciate your sharing your experiences with us. This community has many great people trying to make our lives better, but not too many that started at age 12. Thank you for all that you've done to use your tough experiences to help the entire POTS community move forward. And we're so happy you're doing so well in college despite all the challenges. Okay, listeners, as always, remember this is not meant as medical advice. Consult your medical team about what's right for you because we're all different. But thank you for listening. Remember you're not alone and please join us again soon. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, www.standinguptopots.org slash podcast. And I would add, if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to suggest, send them in. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots.